Amen. Let's look in the word of the Lord. And again, I, I've had you standing for a long time. I'm, I'm going to honor your time today. But let's look at Revelation chapter 2. Last week, I, on Friday morning, I woke up, to be honest with you, feeling this in my heart. I've been praying myself, to be honest with you, about what the Lord wanting to say to me, sometimes it's easy to pray about what the Lord wants to say to the church. But I, I can't forget that I'm also just having to follow him myself. The shepherd had to go in and get a meal after he fed the sheep. There's many, many times where I've watched my father for so many years. And your personal devotion is extremely critical. I believe that's why he sustained almost 45 years. And what a, what a feat that is. Let me just pause for a moment and tell you two years ago, my brother sent a text this morning. Two years ago, my dad was sitting in the hospital bed with oxygen, giving a thumbs up like I'm coming out of it. And I think we all can say we're thankful he came out of it. We're thankful. We're thankful. There's a lot of loss during that season. And all I can do is say, God, you know, and we place it all in your hands. But I'm thankful my father is still, still here. Let's look at Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read 1, 2, 3, and 4. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Let me just say it this way. You've tried them which say they are apostles and are not. You found them liars. You've borne that patience. For my name's sake, you've labored, and you've not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you've lost your first love. I'm going to preach on the simple topic this morning of when somewhat is more than enough. When somewhat is more than enough. Let's pray together one more time. Lord, I'm asking you to help us speak to us. I pray right now. That you'd help us, Lord, to hear your word and be doers of your word. I'm asking, let this word that is already anointed be anointed as it comes out of my heart, my lips, God, and into the hearts of these great, great people. God, I pray, Lord, stir us and lead us and guide us. And God, if it's necessary right now, I pray, change us. In Jesus' name, we ask it and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Maybe seated. Let me state one thing to you this morning that if you are sitting in this room and you are hearing the scripture that's about to go forth or any scripture that's ever gone from this desk, let me help you understand something real fast. The way that we approach this is not, it's not that I feel cute in preaching a message or that, that any other ministers that step up in this um, pulpit, first word, whatever, just feels cute to preach a message or speak a word. We, when we speak the divine word of God, 
we're speaking a divine anointed word. And whether you, in that moment or time, um, your mind is where it needs to be or not, it is your uh, responsibility to heed the word. Let me just tell you real fast, if the Lord came himself and stood in front of us and began to teach, we wouldn't walk out as quick as we possibly could and walk away and say, ah, that was so-and-so, I'm not really there. We have to uh, uh, allow that word to come in and speak in our hearts. So if, not, if not, why, 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 why even come? Why, why be here? What I mean by that is why as a church body will we assemble together? We're here looking at the inspired word of God. And I know you know that, but I want to remind us of that, that this word should be something that challenges and changes. Amen? It challenges us, changes. And I want to bring your attention to this powerful excerpt uh, of, of Scripture that, that is, is bringing us to this understanding that, that this first love is, is lost. And we find, we find the letter in a unique way um, uh, starting out with bragging on what they've done. Bragging on a lot of good things, as any good teacher would go about it, and I've, I've heard others when I've, when I've asked, how do I submit maybe a request, or how do I, how do I come about something? I've heard at times, even uh, I talked to somebody that's high up in the school um, here in Arkadelphia, and I said, how do I explain a concern that I have at one particular school? I think everybody in the room, if I said one, two, three, you would know exactly which one I'm talking about. Um, they said, brag on the good things first. I said, I, I like that. I said, so I don't want to talk about how there's a dumpster right by where I dropped my kid off. They said, no. I said, I don't, I don't want to talk about how there's a dirty mattress laying right there where my kids have to walk around it to go into the school. They said, no, you don't want to do that. I said, okay, check. I got that. I'm going to find something good. They usually start at 8 a.m. every morning. That's a good thing. They're pretty consistent on that. Um, but they talked about it. Brag first. And, and to be honest with you, that's great. Advice because you don't want to start with the bad news. You usually start with the good news. The Lord does that here. He speaks to them and he says, I know your works and your labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. That's good things as a church. That's a good thing for a church. It's, it's, it's strong for the church of Ephesus to understand this, this, this is right. You, you have a lot of good going on. Let me just say, you, you, you see that right off the bat and you're thinking, hey, they got a lot of a lot of things they're doing, you, 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 you see what's evil, and you can't stand them, or you've tried them, which uh, say they are apostles and are not, and you've found them liars. That's good. If there's a liar in the room, it's good to find them as a liar. I know it seems crazy, because there's no liars in the room anymore these days. There's no liars in the world. Everyone's good. Everyone's fine, because everyone gets to believe their own absolute truth, right? Everyone believes it. People are elephants. And that's okay. But, but the reality is, is you found them to be liars. You, 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 you've, you've looked at things. You've gathered yourself with patience. And you see these things as what they need to be. And he says, also, you have, you've labored and you've not fainted. That's a good thing for the church to be declared as. We've, we've worked hard. We've not tired. We've continued on. We've pressed on through the good and the bad. We've been faithful. We have stayed true to the word of the Lord. We have, we have not fainted. And he says all these good things. And he, he says, you've, you've done all this for my name's sake, and I thank you for that. But he comes to this unique place, and he comes to this, this, this moment where in, in, in Verse 2 and 4, or verse 4 of chapter 2. But I have against you that you have abandoned 
the love you had first. Or I have somewhat against you. You've lost your first love. He says that although you've done all these things, you're missing a very, very important thing. What he says in that scripture is this pretty much. You can do all those things right, but get one thing wrong and it's not working. You can do all... I know it's going to be hard for you to believe, but you can do the actions of a godly, loving person. You can do all of those things and not be doing them for the right reason. I want you to think a little bit deeper than your resistance right now. I want you to think for me just for a moment. And think back. Think back and, 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 and think in your mind, why? Why do I do the things that I do? And why? Why am I part of, of what I'm a part of? And why? Why am I operating the way I'm operating? Jesus speaks uh, um, um, this strong word. And the strong word is spoken to these people. And he's asking them to reflect on your spiritual journey that you're on. Take a moment and re- reflect. I want you to remember the joy and the excitement you felt when you first encountered the love that I have. Recollect the fervor and devotion you had in the early days as a believer. I know you're walking and not fainting, but is it for the reason of the church or is it for the reason of your relationship with me? Is it for that reason? I want you to look and I want you to think back as to why you do this or do that. And I want you to ask, am I in the middle of it? Is our, are, are we, are, is our relationship where it should be? I want you to look through, uh, listen closely to some, some ways that you and I can identify the signs of a fading love that you and I, at times, I would say would have. We would struggle with. It's okay to admit at times that in, 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 in many relationships, there are moments when things maybe could get better. Things could be stronger. I know that you and you never have days in your marriage. For those of you that could, could testify to this, where you say that some days I just have to choose to love her through it. Or some days she has to choose to love me. I heard someone say the other day in a very good way on a podcast. They said there are days we wake up and, 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 and they're both in ministry but also working uh, um, um, jobs. And, and it was said that there are days when we're not 100. And so we have this practice where I look at my husband or I look at my wife and I say, I'm going I'm to shoot you straight. I'm like a 40 today. I'm, I'm, I'm like a 40 today. And I, I don't feel it. Something's wrong as far as my, my I'm not talking about in, in love. I'm talking about in my day, my struggles. There's a lot hitting me right now. And they said, I just feel like I'm a 40. And that person said, when, when he tells me that, that I know that I've got to find a way to make that up. And I've got to find a way to encourage him or her through that. The reality is that some walked in today and you could say, you know what? I'm like at a 60 today. I'm tired. I'm weak. Some could walk in and say, I'm like at a 20 today. I'm just tired. There's been a lot of stuff. There's a lot of life. There's a lot of struggles. There's a lot of trials. But I've come to tell you you came in the same, the right place. Because I saw Emma up here making up for some that were at a 40. I saw others up here saying, you know what? You might be at a 40, but I'm going to worship God through it. I'm going to find a way through it. I'm going to find a way to help you and encourage you. But you've got to at times be able to identify the signs of a fading love. It's essential 
to uh, be able to identify. These may include complacency or, or lukewarmness. We heard a great message on Tuesday night about lukewarmness and a diminishing passion for prayer. I'll tell you right now, if there's ever been a time where I found myself struggling personally, I can tie it directly to the amount of time I spend in prayer. It's just the reality. If I, if, I, if I am not where I need to be in my mind, my clarity, and where I, where I need to be, it's because I found other things taking up my day versus taking some time. And you say, well, I can't pray all day long. No one's asking that, but you can't have a designated time. And what do you say that time is? That time is the time that you need. The time that you need is the right time for you. Does that make sense? That's the time. When you feel like you've spent some time with the Lord. But there's also there's something about walking with him daily. You walk away from that spot and you don't leave him at that place. But you say, come with me. I want to invite you in my car. I want to invite you in my home. I want to invite you on the job. We'll spend some time with you. But we've got to be careful. But we, also we, we, we can find at times this fading love can be present in our lack of worship and, and, and study of his word. And identifying these things is, is it leads us to be able to take these proactive steps to restoration and, and finding ourselves now desiring more of him and desiring what we might be able to have once again with him. While Jesus confronted the Ephesian church about their waning love, he also extended a call to restoration. His desire is not to condemn. That's not the purpose today. The desire that I'm coming with you as well is not to say, how dare you? The desire is to maybe raise a flag and say, let's be aware. And let's notice some things. But he, he also is trying his best to bring them back to a place of intimacy and passion that once was shared with him. And he's calling them to return to the first love. Revelation 2 and 5 says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. The process of restoration begins with remembering, repenting, and returning to our first love. We must acknowledge our drift. We must repent because of that drift. And we must repent of our apathy and say, Lord, I never just wanted to be near, but I always wanted to be with, and I desire to be close to you. I want a deep covenant relationship with God. So I've got to be, be able to identify that. I've got to be able to look and see that. And at times it may be hard for you to say, I'm going to pull myself out of that. Let me, let me give you some very practical, practical tips on how to get out of complacency. Let me tell you right now. I would go right now and say, Sister Sherry, I need help. I feel like I'm in a unique place. Would you help me pray? And I would even say, Sister Sherry, would there be a night that you can come, maybe Wednesday night, a few minutes early? Would you possibly be able to do that? I would go myself and say, I'd say, Brother Eric, I need help. I need help. I feel as if I'm far. I know this seems crazy, but these are practical practical things where you say I just feel like I've fallen dry I feel like I don't have much to offer right now I would go and say brother Blake I need help today uh, would you join with me and ask that God would help my mind and free me up I would go to someone in the youth group and say sister Madison can you join with us I feel like I'm longing for more and I feel far from it you see the only way to get out of what you're doing is to break out of what you're doing and say God what might it be what can 
can it be? And you say, well, I don't know what to do. I come in church and I just don't feel it. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to worship in faith. And you say, well, I don't feel them. So do I lift my hands first? I don't know if the chicken or the egg came first. All I know is that I want to show him I'm surrendered. And what's amazing about showing him I'm surrendered is he's now going to say, okay, I'm going to pour something into you. I don't know the keys to getting back where you used to be, but I do know the steps of trying to find a way to say, God, it was never about doing this or doing that, but it's always been about you. Take the organ away. Take the piano away. Take the drums away. Take that bass away. But I want Jesus. I want him more than anything else. And if I can't worship him, then I should have none of that. Not any of it. Not a bit of it. I shouldn't have it at all. I ought to show that I'm a worshiper before anything else. I'm a worshiper before anything else. I love him more than anything else. I serve him over anything else. The reason why he was saying what he was saying. Because he was letting them know that if you don't do it out of love for me, then you're doing it out of love for you. You see what, you see what he's doing there? He's saying, Brother Moss, you've tried the evil things. You've done good. You've tried the wrong things. You've done good. You've served and you've done good. You've played. You've sang. You've done good. You've done this. You've done good. You've done all those things. You've done good. But he's letting them know that if you don't do it for a love of me, then eventually that will wane. You will find yourself divided. You'll find yourself now, now tired and exhausted because anytime you do it for yourself, you get tired. I'm speaking to myself right now. There's been moments where I thought, why does no one else do this? Why does no one else see these things? Why does no one else notice this? Why Why does this not happen? Those are the moments where the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, it was never about anybody else seeing. I've noticed you. I've seen you. I've watched you. I saw you when you came up by yourself, April, and took the trash out. I saw you when you came up by yourself and you vacuumed the floor. I saw you when you came up by yourself and you said, God, I just wanted to spend some time with you. I saw you. So he was letting them know you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Doing the right things for the wrong one is the wrong thing. Is this, is this understood just for a moment this morning? Doing all I can do for me in his name's sake. He said, I still have someone against you. I know, I know you, I know you. We wear a badge of honor on the things we do, and that's all great and grand. I'm not talking about it here. I'm talking about we as a, as a general people and, and across this country. We, we have this, we have that. But what is it for? Who is it for? Because if I truly, truly had him as my first love, that I would first love what he first loved. I've got to be careful, and I've got to find a way to cultivate this intimacy with him beyond anything else through prayer and the word restoration that we must have involves cultivating this 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 longing and desire with God through this prayer and the study regular communion with him in prayer spending time with him in his word to rekindle that flame of our first love let us prioritize our spiritual disciplines and seek the Lord as we never have before to say God I don't 
don't want to just wait till Sunday, but I, I need your word today, Lord. I don't know where to even start. Let me tell you, where you start is where you open up to and just say, God, I know it sounds crazy, but that old way of saying, God, I just need a word. Do you know what? Sometimes it works. You know why? Because every word in this Bible is for you. Every word, every word, every word, everything that's in the scripture is for you. Now, be careful in the Song of Solomon, but still, it's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's all for you. It might be for you later, but it's for you. Let me help you understand right now. I got to get in his word. I've got to desire his word. I need to cultivate it in a, in a deep way to say I want a renewed fervency in my relationship with God. The promise of, of his relationship with me is desired. It's there. I want it. We need to respond to Jesus' call to restore our first love. He promises us a reward and a profound transformation in our lives. I can say to you have Revelation 2 and 7. Revelation 2 and 7 gives us this understanding. And I, I may not have given it to you. Forgive me if I, if I didn't set you up for it. But it says, to the one who conquers, I will grant. Is it there? Revelation 2 and 7. Sadie, do you have that? Revelation 2 and 7. Sorry about that. To the one who conquers, he says, uh, or he that hath an ear. Let's go with this version. Let him hear what the Spirit saith. Unto the churches, to him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life. He says, I'm going to give you the very thing you need. Restoring our first love brings us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And we regain the joy. There's a few that need to let the joy of the Lord sit upon you. The reason why there's a lack of joy, let me be very clear, is because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. This is what you call Paul's for effect. If there's an absence of joy, there's an absence of true purpose. And the Lord took time to write this letter, not me. My grandfather Rutledge at one time preached a message on what kind of letter would the Lord write to you. He also preached a message one time. I never forgot the title. He always had good titles. He preached a message for the Sean on getting a haircut in the devil's barbershop. <coughs> Samson. Samson chose the wrong barber that day. There's something powerful about that. Or the man he was. But I would tell you right now that if you've, if you've lost your joy, you've possibly lost your purpose. And our purpose all is the same. Everybody in this room, your purpose is the same. No matter what we do, no matter what we do on a daily basis, no matter what we do, no matter what age we are, our purpose is to fall so in love with Jesus that our hearts are full and our lives are, are, are full and that our that our desires are pure, that our, that our minds are right, that our actions are what they need to be, that our, the way we operate with each other is operating in the body and, and operating um, um, as, as placed together. Brother Brett 
he, he, I forget what it was, but it was talking about being perfectly knit together. That I looked up that word knit, being knit in love. It was, it was uh, not, and I see, it, I see it as, you know, just, just joined together. But when you knit something, it actually says as, as it would be knit and woven around each other. When you take something and knit, you take one piece of that thread that goes under, one piece on the top, and you knit around each other. And that just kind of forms a, a, a solid um, ongoing seam. And that the body is supposed to be knit in love. And if you cannot join with every person in this church arm in arm, then you are not knit. What I'm calling you to today a place that we cannot, we can't go where God's calling us to go if we don't first have what God's calling us to have. What I'm encouraging you to, do, to, you to do today is to fall in love one more time with your first love. Let me look here. It says, he said, I'm going to let you eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God, in verse 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write these things. And I'm, I'm going on too far. But he, go, he goes on. You could read these letters at home. You could read these and take this time. But the Lord is, is letting us know that restoration leads to a life of eternal significance. As we walk in the fullness of our first love, as we walk in the fullness of this, of this desired first love, we are empowered to imp impact a world that needs to be impacted. We're desired to, to, to share a burden, to love, to be a light, to bring care and love to those that are around us and, 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 and draw them closer, not because of what we offer, but because of the love that he offers. Let me tell you real fast, we're about to embark on another season, I believe, of what God's going to do, and I strongly believe it. I think so much those who are working so hard on Backpack Sunday and we're going to have, I believe, a church full of people that have come for a backpack but also, are, I believe, are hungry because the world is growing hungry or something for something different. But let me just be, let you know real fast. The one thing that could take away what God's wanting to do is if we do this without the love of God at the center of it. So before we go and we step into what, what I believe God is calling us to do, we, I, I would desire that we rekindle a passion for a deep relationship with God. I'm not talking about just a few of us. I'm talking about all of us. What I'm talking about is, is where we spend time and we say, God, I'm asking you to help and search me out. Psalm 139, it actually it, it deals with this, and it says, I want you to search me, O God, and know my heart. Know, know all, and I'm paraphrasing, but know all the secret places of my life and see if there's anything in me that is not right. I know some, some are fearful of praying that prayer because you feel like you've got baggage. You feel like you've got hang-ups. You feel like you've got generational struggles that you've been carrying. But let me tell you right now, there's something powerful about saying, God, I open myself fully to you. 
and I want you to look into my heart. And he says simply this, if there's something wrong, I want you to make it right. What the, what the psalmist was saying in that scripture was this, that I have such a love for you that I give you full reign. I'm giving you full access. He's saying, I know some of the things I've done wrong, but there are some things I'm carrying that might be a little bit much, might be a little hard for me to expose and, and deal with. But there's also some things that I don't realize. It's the things that make me think the way I think. It's the way that it's the lens of life that I've got. I walk through and I see things a certain way. I sometimes get twisted because I of how I was brought up or whatever the case may be. And the psalmist is saying that I know I've made mistakes. And I know I've made trials. I've dealt with some trials. And I know I've walked through these things by myself. But I don't want anything to separate me from you. So what am I doing right now? I'm praying about what I can pray about. But right now what I'm doing is saying, God, I just open myself up to you. Why? Because you're my first love and you're everything that I want and you're all I need. And so whatever might be hurting or whatever might be the in me, I want you to find everything you can. Search me and know me, oh God. Know the things that make me tick the way I tick. Know the things that bring me anxiety and hurt and pain. Know, know why I lash out and know why I feel depression. Know why? Because I can't find it, but I know you can. The only way he got to that point, the only way he got to that point is he sat with them and said, Lord, I want you. And Lord, I need you. He didn't look at the watch and make sure the 10 minutes had passed by. No. He sat, Sister Moss, and he tarried in the presence of God. And he said, God, I know the things need to happen, but nothing's more important than my time with you. And I want you to know, God, I want you to know that I need you. I need you. I need you. And I want you to do it. I'm praying right now, God, for every person in this house. God, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice I'm praying that you'd rekindle a love and a passion for prayer and I'm praying we'd come back to a place where we're kneeling before you and crying out and saying God I cannot do it without you I cannot do it without you talent does not overweigh or outweigh prayer and anointing I, I, I know I show up but I want to show up for you I know I'm a part but I want to be a part of this because of you I know I seek you but I really want to seek you God I want you I want you I don't want to be caught up in calling evil evil I don't want to be caught up in just having patience I don't want to be caught up in just identifying who is not right and who's wrong and all the above no I want to love you I want to desire you I want to be caught up with you I want to walk with you I want to be with you I want to go with you I want to be in the presence all the time so God, let it happen. Let it happen with every young person. Let it happen with every adult. Let it happen with every seasoned saint. Let us not do it because we've always done it. Let us not do it because it's just always been the way the family has done it. No. God, let us look at it and know that if it's going to be right, then it's got to be right because I love you. I love you, God. I love you more than anything else, God. I love you more than any confusion. I love you more than any trial. I love you more than any personal desires. I love you more than anything that I might ever attain in life. I want you. I desire you. God, take me where you want me to go. God, lead me where you want me to lead, God. Lead me where I can simply follow you, God. I pray let us be deeply, deeply in love with you, God. I pray let us be moved by what moves you. 
Let us be drawn to things you're drawn to, God. Let us desire you more than anything else. Let nothing come in the way. Let nothing stand in the way. Let nothing be in the way. Take down what might be in the way. Tear down what might be in the way, God. In Jesus' name, I need you, God. He will never fail. In Jesus' name, I trust in God. Come on, reach out to Him right now. He is the